Hi, I'm Debbie Mahilam, mom of four, Air Force veteran, ICF coach, and multi-passionate spiritual entrepreneur. Welcome to Dear Debbie Dream Daringly. My time in the Air Force taught me resilience, discipline, and the power of a positive mindset. Now, I'm dedicated to sharing tools and insights that transformed my life. Together, we'll explore mindset, vibration, and manifestation grounded in neuroscience. It's about turning dreams into action. Whether you're a busy mom, passionate entrepreneur, or seeking a spiritual awakening, this podcast is for you. Join me and my inspiring guests on the journey to a purposeful and joyful life. Be sure to subscribe to Dream Daringly, share with friends ready to dream daringly, and don't forget, leave that five-star review, because together, let's unleash your full potential. Like, to me, the unknown now is my playground. <laughs> the unknown is my playground. Yes, like yes, like, yes, yes, yes. I love that. It, it's like some people go in and they're like, I, they want the safe zone and they want their comfort. and they. But the unknown is literally my playground. I wake up every day trying to figure out how can I attract new clients. I wake up now figuring out how can I serve at a higher level. So clients are also attracted to me. I, I wake up thinking about, hmm. Has anyone ever did this on this platform before? Has anyone ever talked about this or shared this perspective in this way? It's all, like I said, it is my, it is. Hi dreamers. Well, this episode was recorded earlier this year, but it took some time. And I think this one is so well worth it. You're gonna hear from Nicole who, her entrepreneurial journey and how she consciously created a path to be in service is just powerful. You're going to hear the wisdom that she's going to drop that is going to truly elevate all of us. How she serves at a higher level and how she got there is just it's genuinely inspiring so I'm really excited to just let you listen and dive into everything Nicole has to offer um I'm really excited little caveat I gotta tell you sorry about my very long intro that I probably could have created to be a little shorter when I intro Nicole but that being said um let me let you get to it dream on Hi, welcome back to Dream, Dear Debbie Dream Daringly. I'm already having problems speaking, so it's going to be one of those kinds of days. But with me today, I am so very excited. Our guest is none other than Nicole Andrews, Vice President of Human Resources and a career coach. She is a Clemson Tiger who's earned three degrees from Clemson University, a bachelor's in business management with a minor in psychology, MBA, and master's in human resources development. She's a certified master of career services through the National Career Development Association and founded Nicole Andrews International in 2019 to serve as a career coach for ambitious women through coaching programs, courses, and events as a speaker for organizations looking to support the inclusion and advancement of women in the workplace. Her goal is to help women do the deeper work of uncovering their unique vision and purpose, 
embracing their difference and disrupting limiting beliefs about what's possible for them in the workplace and beyond. I want to welcome you to I want to welcome the queer disruptor, Nicole Andrews, to Dear Debbie Dream Daringly. Thank you so much again, Nicole, for being with us today. It's genuinely such an honor to have you with us. And in that, I would love just to ask you if you, in your own words, could explain to our listeners exactly what it is that you do. Yes, yes. So thank you, Debbie, for having me. I'm so glad to be on the Dream Daringly podcast. And um, just so happy the energy that we had when we first met. So in sync and so just so so grateful to be here. So in terms of what I do, I'm a former vice president. So I officially leaped. Um, I always tell people I didn't intend to be a part of the great resignation, but I guess I did because I resigned in 2021, December of 2021 and leaped full time. I gave about a three months notice. Um, just because of me being an executive in the organization, I felt like they deserved that time to try to transition everything. And it came as a shock. So I leaped full time into my business in March, March 2nd, actually, of last year. So it's been a full year, a full ride as a full time entrepreneur. And my focus, Debbie, has evolved. So I think people who are listening to this, and especially from a career and life standpoint, are probably maybe some people are they love where they are. Others are trying to figure it out because they're stuck and they're not really enjoying what they're doing. And so they're trying to figure out their next moves. So, so it all evolves. But for my business, even in the past four years since I've launched the business, even working full time while doing this on the side, it's it's really changed. And my target as I'm a career coach. So as you said so eloquently, I coach women, but specifically mid-career women, because when you think about mid-career women, those are individuals who are typically faced maybe with some elder care. Maybe they have aging parents that they're trying to care for. Sometimes they are also dealing with grief and loss of loved ones as they age. Um, there are also parents, right? Some are parents and they're trying mm -hmm. to juggle childcare and all of these different things. And so mid-career is a very critical time, especially for women, because it's something that if if one decision can literally shift your whole career, either positively or negatively. And so my goal is to help women disrupt the status quo on purpose, especially in mid-career, to make sure they know what their next move will be, either, either up, out the ladder, but into a different career field altogether, whatever that is, I want them to have career mobility. So I coach mid-career women who are looking for that, that change, that career move. And then the second piece of what I do, really there's three anchors, but the second bigger piece is organizational consulting. So I work with organizations who are looking to do the same. They are tired of kind of, they feel stuck. They feel like they're having retention issues or engagement issues and really going in and helping them look beyond the surface to develop what's the real issue, right? To uncover what's the real concern and issue, but also help develop their leaders, which we know a lot of the engagement and retention starts with our leaders and who are who you're interacting with on a day-to-day -day basis, which is typically your manager. So that relationship has to be strong. And so really helping organizations with leadership development and also some diversity, equity, and inclusion to make sure no matter who's in that organization, they feel like they belong there. But that's a hard thing because we yes. all may have felt like we're out of place of sorts at, in different environments, but in the workplace, it's critical that everyone sees themselves and feel like they have a, a place there and that they can really contribute to their fullest potential. So those are really the two things that I do and then outside of that speaking, but that usually comes organically as a result of my other work. 
Oh, I see. I'm so glad you were able to speak power to that because I love what you do. And I think it's such an important piece because you're you're working from both sides. And when we first met, I was just so in awe of you because you have such a an outlier position. You're able to help not only the women who are in such need of what you do, but the organizations who sometimes can't see the forest for the trees. Because that mid-career woman who has all those different complexities on her plate, organizations sometimes just don't see it, but sometimes don't care to see it. And you're in there as a career disruptor for both sides saying, hey, wait a minute. If you want the leaders, if you want retention, you need to remember these things because they get so caught up in, you know, the profits and, you know, the end results that they forget to see those little nuances. And when they stopped and paused to remember them, everybody wins. Yes, yes, they do. So I, I love what you do. And you're helping somebody, like you said, when you're making a choice to move up or move out. That's so empowering. That's so empowering to remember that we have that kind of choice. Mm-hmm. Because so often we just have our noses down to the groundstone and we forget that it's not all or nothing. So I so appreciate you. I mean, that's just such a vibrationally aligned and wonderful, energetic, just supportive, such a great need. And you are definitively the person to be helping women in in this need. So thank you. Thank you, Debbie. <laughs> I'm, sorry. I'm so honored. I'm so honored to help women. And, and I've had I've had a few men come and say, hey, why don't you coach men? And because I've been in those rooms, Debbie, with leaders and with other executives, and I hear what, you know, the things that they're measuring women by, whether intentionally or unintentionally, right? Those biases that we all have. But when I look at how women are measured in the workplace, there are studies that show that women are measured based on performance. So what that tells us is that you have to, as a woman, basically prove yourself before you can get that promotion, prove yourself before you can negotiate that salary, prove you you have to be performing well right now. Men, on the other hand, studies show that they are measured based on their potential. So for a man, they don't have to be performing well right now. They can actually, someone can look at them and say they have potential to perform well and they get the opportunity. Yeah. So it's just uncovering all of these layers and helping Women position themselves to say, no, I I want to be considered for both too. look at, yes, my performance and value that, but also know that my potential is more than anything you can ever see and give me a chance to contribute at that level. Give me a chance to be promoted and I'll show you what I can do kind of thing. So I have a passion for women because I feel like, again, there's just so many other barriers for them compared to men. I'm not anti-men in any way, but that is really why I focus on women. Oh, no, I love that. I love that. Again, just empowering somebody and shining a light on someone who it sounds, if I'm hearing you correctly, the study showing that somebody essentially needs to outperform somebody's, someone else's potential. And how are you supposed to do that? That's just, there's no metric. Mm-hmm. And yeah, no, we need as much equalization there as we can and layer the playing field to become 
Yeah, no, thank you again for that. And when you decided that you would become an entrepreneur, a solopreneur, to help women in this area, what was your catalyst in and of itself that made you see that or had that epiphany or have that lightning strike? Or was it, or was it something that was a gradual shift that helped you to go, hmm, I could be more powerful in this way? Oh, goodness. It's such a great question. And Debbie, I will say it goes back to what I just talked about, performance versus potential. So I felt like one of the biggest catalysts um, was me having to prove and not feeling like that was ever enough. So I remember going to my boss, this was probably four or, or so, five years ago now, actually five years ago, and I needed some support. So I was traveling all over the country. I was speaking all over the place. I was doing all of these different things. And I was told that, hey, you're a rock star. You're a high potential. All of these things, we see so much for you. But I started to get, I started to really, I would say, burn out, even though that's such a word. Like, I don't like to use words that are trendy and cliche and everyone's saying, but I really was. I was starting to burn out because I knew I saw a vision for this role and for what we could do with this role. And I just wasn't like, I. they thought, well, gosh, you're already doing some great work, but there was more that I wanted to contribute. And right. I feel like, again, you may have been there before Debbie, other women may have been there where I knew there was more. I knew there was a bigger vision that even maybe they couldn't see that I could see. And to them, what I was doing was enough, but I needed help to, to make some of those other things happen and make those pieces come together. And I went to my boss at the time and I spoke to her about this before I left the company. Um, so she know she knows about it. I would never say her name, of course, but I went None. to her and asked for help. I asked for one person. I said, I just need one person added to my team. Like just, I didn't even have anybody. It was just me at the time. And there were over 60 HR people. There were over, there were four or five of us that reported directly into her. Everybody else had a team except me. And I was managing two elements of the six-part strategy that she was charged with managing and um, leading for the organization. And so I said, you know, I really need someone else on the team. And I had little printed out, again, this is what I recommend people do. Even if it doesn't work, still know your own data. I printed out the work that I was doing, highlighted the things that I would actually have that person do and said, hey, this is a whole role. Like all, I'm doing multiple roles and here's what that person would do to start out and then we can build from there. And the answer was, I won't say exactly verbatim, but basically <laughs> it was a no. It was a dismissal, a no kind of thing. Uh, and that moment, I was also asked, and I don't know if that person would recall, but I was asked, hey, we have this new idea that we're planning to implement um, in the organization. You have done so well with this. Do you think you could write out a plan for this other idea? So at the same time that I'm being told no, that I can't get support, I was asked to write up this vision because, again, they could see the potential, right? They could see the value that I was bringing into the role that I was doing. And she she told me, said, we we honestly you've brought so much value to this role. We really want you to help us with this idea, the ideation for this. And I remember driving home. I had to drive home a couple of hours uh, because this was at headquarters. And I went home and told my husband and he was the one. He said, before you write someone else's vision, you will write a vision for your own company. And that's support. You know, he just, he was like, 
you are too smart to this, to that, to be told no, that you can't get the resources. And I see you doing all of these great things and you can't even get one person. And he said, you will write a vision for your company. He said, you can do whatever you want. But if I read, like, I believe that you need to write your own vision. And honestly, within probably six months, Debbie, I had an LLC. <laughs> I had an LLC. I had a blog. I had all of these things. I just went for it. And I remember someone asking me, like, do you believe that you're on the right path? Do you feel good? With I said, I don't know. But does anyone ever know? I said, but I know that I'm what I'm doing now is not working and that I have to do something different. And so I just have to go into the unknown. It's kind of like Elsa, right? Into the unknown. You don't know what's on the other side of the unknown, but I know that this is not working, that something is calling me to some, some other place, right? So I have to try something different. And four years later, it's led me into entrepreneurship. And I, again, I didn't take that leap right away. It took me four years to leave corporate, but all of that was setting me up. So that way, when I left corporate, I ended up, I mean, doing quite well, you know, thank goodness, you know, just because I took my time, I learned what didn't work. I learned what I didn't like about what I was doing and what I needed to really focus on. And so it, it is a process. It's not something that I would encourage people to just jump into unless they have the means to do that. But it really is knowing that I was never going to reach my fullest potential because all I, I just had to keep performing and doing. And as long as I was performing and doing, I was okay. But my fullest potential, I could see, was already going to be limited. Um, it was going to be limited. Uh, I love all of that. And I love the support that you got and the fact that your husband was the one to initiate that, that not everybody has that kind of support, but the fact that he encouraged it and said, hey, you need to take a look at this just all I'm saying to me that made my heart just swell yeah oh what an incredible yeah. story that's that's a great origin story <laughs> it really is I haven't told it very often I you know it's one of those things where I never want people to feel like here's something and feel like gosh she's bashing but I think that's what I also find with women is that sometimes we don't tell our stories because other people are involved in our stories and we don't want to harm those people and so as I as I was telling that story again it's something that I want people to hear in, in terms of a vibrational energy because I know that's what you're big on too yes. Debbie it's really how do I tell a story in a way that still honors them I honor the fact that she saw potential in me she recognizes that I didn't say, oh gosh, she was a terrible person because she didn't give me no. help. That was just her answer and her response. So I could only do then, I could only control my re response to it. Absolutely. So that's all that I can do. But outside of that, at the time, there could have been other reasons. There could have been budget reasons. There could have been other things going on as to why she couldn't say yes, even though I saw other people getting support. So I did, I don't think it was budget, but it doesn't matter. I think we're living in a world now where everyone is wanting to make somebody else wrong so they can be right. And I just, my goal is to find a way to balance that. I don't need to make someone else wrong for mm -hmm. me to also find my way and, and do what's right for me. It, at the end of the day, that was best for her. That was the response. I did. I worked in that role, I think, for almost another year, literally a year to date, almost from that conversation. I was, I moved, I had an opportunity, had someone approach me about an executive level role. That, and, and again, because I didn't react, I still did my job to excellence. 
I felt like that was almost good karma and it's coming my way because yeah. it's like I still did my job with excellence. I still did what I needed to do, but I also opened up space to say, this may not be, this may not be it for me anymore right. and continue to work that plan. Well, what I hear from your story, if and again, please correct me if I'm wrong, is that what happened was it created your new path. I didn't hear any bashing. What I heard was the universe just allowing for you to co-create a new vision for yourself, one that you wrote and allowed and manifested, but you didn't even know at the time because you were allowing it to come through. You were surrendering. You weren't trying to control an outcome, but instead you were just allowing and when we surrender our desires in that way, you were, you were defining the clarity in the moment as it came, not controlling outcomes. Because when we try to control those outcomes, that's when things go awry. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And this is why you've created this beautiful, beautiful company. And as you said, that it's ultimately worked so well now because you, the universe had a far greater plan than you even knew in the beginning. Yes. Because you yeah. surrendered to it with, you know, meandering and not knowing exactly. And you tried this and you pivoted and you pivoted because you were in a surrender mode the entire time saying, let me discover. And your curiosity led you to this incredible company and you decided how exactly you were able to serve women in the highest and best capacity. So. She is a part of your story, but in a wonderful way. Had that not happened, you might not be sitting here in this capacity helping people the way you are. Yes. So yes. I hear that it's a beautiful origin story. Yes. I love that you said curiosity because I think, again, when we think about one of the, everyone has access, right, to one of the things everyone has access to is the sense of their curiosity about the world around them, that there is something, for example, I continue to let my curiosity, I didn't know exactly from that moment what I was going to do. And my husband said, you need to write your vision, but I knew it was going to be, I knew it was going to be a new, a new kind of territory for me, a new expiration, a new, a new year of discovery at that time, just trying to figure things out. And so what I did, Debbie, I went and um, started a blog, which I, I referenced earlier, but I literally started talking about how to deal with stress as a working professional. <laughs> it, it, I mean, again, what you have in you is already a seed, right? And and so as for me, that I was I was stressed at times. So I started to write about stress. But guess what? That guess what happened? I started writing this blog, and what were the common elements? I started talking about career related things. I literally mm. started blogging, and it really every topic that I started to blog about was tied to career growth, tied to owning your difference, tied to all of these things. And so I started to look at again my own curiosity and say, "Why am I?" It's like I'm I'm talking about stress. How can I pull in stress? But instead of fighting against that, I literally typed in the word career, and that's really what led me to career coaching. I typed in the word career. And I remember, because um, I wanted to look up some keywords and things, all the things we do as business owners that you know, mm -hmm. um, to try to figure out what are people talking about? What are they interested in? And career consultant came up as like, and I was like, oh my, is that a thing? Is that, I honestly <laughs> did not even realize that that was something that I could do. I just, 
and I was already in HR, right? In human resources, <laughs> had a degree in HR development, you know, master's levels, degrees in business. I, I just did not realize that. And so because of that curiosity and just exploring and just continuing to look at patterns and themes and what's coming up, it led me to the career coaching piece. And I was like, this is such a natural fit. But again, I had to explore my curiosity beyond that. I had to actually start talking with people and offering a service. And what I did is I offered at that time, this is 2018 or 2019, I offered a free package to several women to take me up on a free career coaching. It was like a month 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 to month too and I remember doing that and people, people were like why are you doing this for free I was like well I have income I just want to see if this is something I can do so when we talk about curiosity I just needed to know because I could have spoken to women and had like had this awful feeling or felt like this is not for me or I'm drained after mm -hmm. these conversations but after doing enough of those I did that for about six months between 2019-ish to early 2020 or 2018, whatever that time frame is, I did that and I loved it. I also figured out at the time who I didn't want to work with. So I started to fine tune that because that's important too, mm -hmm. even for a company. It's important to understand what type of companies you thrive in, what type of companies you don't thrive in, what, what companies really accelerate and kind of, you know, amplify your energy, what companies you're like, oh gosh, yes. I, I don't think that's my clientele. I don't think that's my product space or my service. You have to know those things. And so I actually started to coach and realize I absolutely love this, but I was still working for everybody. So I was still trying to coach everybody. I was still trying to, at that time, I was only coaching women uh, complimentary, but I remember going to someone else. I was like, I want to offer it for everybody. She's like, I think you should offer it for women. And I was like, why? I actually fought against that. Because oh, I thought I did. I fought against that. I was like, no, I can offer it for women and men. And I remember one of my co-workers, she I told her what told her what I was doing. And she said, Nicole, I look at you and I see you speaking in front of the company. I see you traveling. I see you doing all of these things. And I look at you as a mom. And I just say, I can also be a great mom and also love my career and have a great career too. And she said, I look at you and you inspire me to stay in my career. Speak power and the truth. Yes. When she said that, so at that time, when I first mm -hmm. started, she said, I think you should focus on women and especially mom. At that time, that's what I started to do. And then over time, like I said, that evolved into mid-career primary breadwinning women or sole breadwinners, because again, that's a very unique niche for me that I understand. And so it's not it's no longer just moms, it's primary breadwinner, sole breadwinners, but oftentimes those are moms. And so I think people have to let, it's almost like, to me, the unknown now is my playground. <laughs> the unknown is my playground. Yes. Yes, 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 yes. I love that. It's like some people go in and they're like, I, they want the safe zone and they want their comfort and they, but the unknown is literally my playground. I wake up every day trying to figure out how can I attract new clients? I wake up now figuring out how can I serve at a higher level? So clients are also attracted to me. I, I wake up thinking about, hmm, has anyone ever did this on this platform before? Has anyone ever talked about this or shared this perspective in this way? It's all, like I said, it is my, it is 
it, it's so fun to not know because it's like I'm surprised every day versus before. It's like I knew what my days were going to look like. You know, I knew yeah. what I was going to wake up and be faced with. I knew, and there's nothing wrong with that either. It's just that I knew that there was more for me. Right. And so that's what I think a lot of people are trying to discover these days is what they, they know that there's something else, but they're afraid to go into the unknown, that playground over there that nobody ever goes in because they say it's bad and you shouldn't do that. Why would you ever do that and leave this playground? It has all of the perks and benefits. And But sometimes that playground may be the very place where you get to explore your imagination. You get to do something different and get to run a little bit more free and why. So yeah, I, I you see, I get passionate about that because I feel like that was the place where I was able to start really kind of discovering who I was because I feel like entrepreneurship and other people have said this, entrepreneurship is the biggest, greatest personal development tool you ever find, right? Hey, absolutely. It, it is. Well, what you just, just, yeah. oh, sorry. No, so sorry. <laughs> no, no. I, no, I love what you just said because to me, what you were just explaining is that that unknown is and what you're the playground of it is when we are growing like that all that unknown is growth and when we stay comfortable and familiar we're just staying not stuck necessarily but we're not growing and thriving and you grow up every day you wake up it sounds like you're looking to push the limits and grow just a little more and thrive just a little larger and that makes my heart happy too, because you're looking for ways to help other people do the same yes. and get out of their limits of comfortable. Yes. And every time somebody tests their toe in the water of something unfamiliar and they come back going, oh, okay, I can do that. Mm -hmm. And they'll go a little deeper, a little deeper and discover, okay, nothing happened, you know, or even, if, you know, it didn't go as I planned. I still survived it. Mm -hmm. And I can try it again. Yeah. And that's what you're showing them. And I love it. And your passion for it is really what makes it wonderful. And that's why people are attracted to you. Because they're like, I want some of that. <laughs> you may have a big old slice, please. <laughs> and that makes me, yeah, your vibrations just like, you could feel it. You could just feel it just expanding and expanding. And it really does make people go, it's a safe thing. You have to push yourself and it might not always be fun, but you can make it fun. It's a choice. It's always, it's something that we can, we can choose. It's our perspective on it. Mm -hmm. So I love that. Now, I, you know, before the show, I had asked you something, and I think this is really profound in the way we, because you said something earlier about how you wake up looking for that unknown. And I'm a firm believer in how we end our days as well as how um, we can wake up. But you were telling me that you have an evening routine that you, you have that's very yeah. powerful so can you yes. share a little bit about it of course well the thing is routine is such a strong word so, yeah so uh, and I agree so like, however you like to use it like your palette that you do in the <laughs> evening your you know however your self-love self-care 
that you embody. So what I, we were talking about morning routines too, Debbie, and I know there are some people listening who might be early birds. You know, we've all heard early bird gets the worm. There's so many different things that we hear growing up. And I've always wanted to be a morning person, like in my deepest heart of hearts. I'm like, gosh, I need to force myself to get up at 5 a.m. and join the 5 a.m. club because that's a book. And I love 5 a.m. club. And I literally tried to do the 2020 model that's in that book. But it just like it, it was almost like, you know, you have something that you're resisting. And sometimes that means you need to go forth because there's a fear there. There's something that's stopping you. But sometimes you have to follow like what why are you resisting it? What what is your natural rhythm? And what I find is that I'm a 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. person mm-hmm. and a 10 p.m. to 2 a.m. person. So I do not like meetings that start at eight o'clock. <laughs> Typically, like I do them, I have done them in corporate. Trust me, there's many a day where I have to rush in for that eight thirty because it's like I'm just barely there. But I am. What I realized about myself is that about ten a.m. to two p.m. I'm good. I'm in a flow state, and then it's kind of a natural kind of drop off there. So I have to do things that don't require as much intensity and focus. Mm-hmm. Then about ten p.m. I'm back on again. Some people are in bed. You know they like. <laughs> What are you talking about? But 10 p.m. to 2 a.m., I'm in another flow state. Do I do that every night? No, not really. But in terms of my evening routine, I don't, I don't, I would, routine again is strong. I would say for me, I have like, my faith is a huge part of, you know, me personally and what I do. So I usually try to every night do something that's a spirit, has a spiritual element or read, like reading is a big part of that. I find and again, everyone is different. So you have to find your thing. But I find that reading soothes me and calms me. Yes. When I'm feeling anxious, when I'm feeling I read something and what I've started to do at first, I used to have because I have a study in my home and it's my favorite room. And I literally have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of books, maybe even more than that. But I have a lot of books and I will go in and I used to go in and say, OK, I'm going to read this book. But again, it's that resistance. So now I kind of let the book speak to me. So I usually now I'll go in and I'll say, okay, I feel like I haven't read anything else in a while because I usually read every day, but it's not always a book from my study. So I will like recently I went in and I, this book has been on my shelf for years and I knew at one point the reason I bought it is because I needed to read it, but I don't always read it when I buy it unless it's something that's just new, like a book that we both have been involved in that. Yes, I read that one right away, but I just let it sit there. Well, then I walked in the, a few weeks ago and I was like, this is, I need to read this book right now. That it. book has literally given me like, just, I was like, oh my gosh, that is so good. So good. And so I would say my evening routine, you know, is consistent reading. I usually do work too. Um, again, for me, I do some type of work or trying to catch up from the day. And I consider that a part of my routine. Again, I think we have to take these words away and just say, hey, for me, that is a part, like getting something done or feeling like a sense of accomplishment at the end of the day is mm-hmm. something that's important to me. Reading before I go to bed, and that's and then maybe a quick prayer. It could be something very short and sweet, something that I say um, just to be thankful for, grateful for in my day. I mean, uh, we have heard so much about gratitude, Yes, but it is something that even with my, my daughter, I ask her now, what are you thankful for today? What are you grateful for? Because she's, she's young. And, and I just want to start imprinting that no matter what we were watching, I have to tell this quick story, um, Debbie, we were watching uh, Tinkerbell the other day. Mm-hmm. And we, then we watched Trolls. 
And Trolls One, for anyone who hasn't seen Trolls, we're watching Tinkerbell and the Trolls and all these different things. And so I, I realized, gosh, I want her to be able to watch something, but then share what the message is. Ooh. What did she take away from that? Yes. I think we have to do that as adults too. What did yes. I take away from what I watched or what I listened to or what I heard? And so I asked her, what did she take away from Trolls One? And she said, well, mommy, no, spoiler alert, uh, you don't have to eat people to be happy. <laughs> Because you know, <laughs> oh, like, I love that. You haven't seen Trolls One. Do not listen to this episode or fast forward this section. But basically, <laughs> the Morgans eat the trolls because they want to be happy. And um, she said, "Mommy, I realize that you don't have to do that. That you can just find happiness within yourself." Debbie, wow. I. Oh. It was something that it was. I was like, "You're exactly right." And I said, I want you to always remember that as you get yes. older, I want you to remember that, that you don't need things to be happy. You don't need material possessions to be happy. You don't need, once you get older, you'll hear about things like status and you don't need titles, any of that. I said, happiness is within you. I want you to always remember that. So I share that because that is what, to, to me, like that gratitude every day in some way. And also being able to pass those things on to my daughter and say, hey, what are you grateful for? Or what is your takeaway from this? That's really, it's that simple for me. For some people, they may have other things that they do, but it's that simple for me. Oh, no, I absolutely love that. And there's, you know, there's plenty of research showing that simply identifying things that you're grateful for before you go to bed sets you up for better sleep. And waking up with a better sense of self and motivation for the next day. So that's been neuroscientifically proven. So I love, love, love hearing that. And, you know, something you said earlier about, you know, you're wanting to be a part of the 5 a.m. club, but sometimes it's, you know, just identifying what you've done so well already, the season of your life. Mm. and the season of your life that you're in currently just is not that. And that's okay. And I love that you are embracing what season you're in and you're making the most of where you're at now. And so sometimes it's not about a resistance to something. It's about wholly embracing what you have and making the most of that. And you're doing it beautifully. Mm. Because sometimes I think that instead of, something else that you said earlier, everybody needs to find what works for them best. And that is so true. Instead of saying, you know, hearing, I do this, this, and this, and then trying to adhere to someone else's quote unquote routine and having it not work and then fail. No, we need to identify the things that we feel resonate and then go, oh, okay. So we cherry pick like, oh, this person does this, like the reading. I love reading before bed. Because, you know, no blue lights that mm -hmm. messes with our circadian system or rhythm rather. And, you know, the gratitude part, 100%. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think everybody should adopt that regardless mm -hmm. because it does set us up just inherently. I mean, we sleep better and we dream better just knowing what we're specifically grateful for. I don't think we should do the, and I know you don't, I don't mean to imply that, but just for those listening, be very specific in what you're grateful for. 
because it really just in not only raises your vibration but just your brain can connect better and throughout your soul to go in greater gains within yourself you can recognize so thank you for that because i love that and yes i know routine is can be such a harsh you know kind of bro code thing but just it's hard to identify another like this is my evening to do my evening we need process even process process strong but my evening it's better than routine i agree (laughs) flow i like oh yeah evening flow i like that okay (laughs) that i like that the evening flow you'll see that in the show notes folks i'm having such a tough time talking today i don't know (laughs) um But yeah, no, that's so great. And that sounds like it's also not only your evening flow, but a lot of self-love and self-care all mixed in. And on that note, is there anything else that you do that you specifically designate as self-care and self-love as a part of a process for yourself? So I, you know, the thing is, I don't always get it perfect. One of the things that I do have to balance because I don't want people to hear that and say, oh, she's, she has it all figured out. Mm, No one does. Don't let anyone. No no one ever, ever does. It's a work in progress. Always. We're looking for whatever can help. But I, so for me, one of the things that I, you know, try to do more of is, is the rest piece because Mm. I just feel that. Sometimes I can tell, like, sometimes I'm like, there's nothing else that I can physically do today. I just need to shut it off, go to bed. But for self-love, self-care, you know, I'm trying to think of something because I feel like I don't have, like, like I don't go and get pedicures or manicures or, you know, or go like get myself a massage. Like my ideal, I will tell you what my ideal is and then that will probably lead me to something that I naturally do that I just haven't thought of. But for me, I honestly would love to have like a monthly massage. Like just, I am like, I just feel like, so like just a 90 minute monthly massage appointment that I'm just, just working out all the stress. Cause I tend to hold stress here and here. Mm-hmm. And, um, but I think for me really self-love, Sammy is not, it, it's not a, or self-care piece. I thought of this and it's going to, you can, you can respond to this in whatever way and say, but it's really self-love to me is advocating for yourself. I, I just, that hit yes. me because I really don't, I, I'm thinking about my days and I'm like, there's not one specific, but when I speak up for myself, if I'm negotiating a contract or if I go online and share my perspective about something that I think can help open up a space for people to learn or teach someone something from a, a unique a way of thinking about it. It to me is advocating for myself, but also advocating for others. Yes. So to me, that is self-love. Like how can I advocate for others if I can't advocate for myself? How can I love others and love myself if I can't advocate for myself? And advocacy doesn't have to be this harsh thing where you're always fighting every battle. You have to still choose what you're advocating everything doesn't you know it's like even with my husband for example I'm advocating for myself at times like can you just watch this podcast episode with this couple talking about you you know it's it advocating for yourself could be little things just advocating for time with people that you love or 
saying, hey, I need a little bit more of your time and attention right now. Or or that person saying the same thing to me for themselves. So it's just, I think we just, like for me personally, self-love and self-care is saying, how am I advocating for myself at, um, in this moment, in this day, in this week, in this month? And that looks different every day. So I think, you know, as long as I feel like I haven't, I haven't let myself down or anyone else down by not speaking up uh, or my, not advocating, then I feel feel pretty good. It doesn't have to be these major things. So I think that is an extraordinary example of self-love. And I wholeheartedly agree with you on that because loving yourself fully, fiercely and first is the truest example of self-love. So thank you for that. It has been such a pleasure, as always, speaking with you, Nicole. Oh, you always make my heart just so happy. You too, Debbie. (laughs) Thank you. Oh, so please, please, please let my audience know exactly where they can find you. So I am at thenicoleandrews.com. And uh, that's another podcast episode, Debbie, for people, for me to share why it's the Nicole. I actually tried to buy Nicole Andrews, but I couldn't. Um, but it's the T-H-E, NicoleAndrews.com. And then you can also find me on LinkedIn. Um, I'm on LinkedIn at the Nicole Andrews Official. So I do a weekly live show there that people can come and tune into. And then I'm on Instagram, but not really active. So I would say LinkedIn and my website are the two primary places but i'm also building out some other things so yeah if you if you go to the website if you go to linkedin you'll see all those other things will kind of stem from what i do in those two places so oh and her weekly linkedin live show is very very informative so i do recommend that highly thank you i will have links to all of that in the weekly show notes that you'll be able to find And again, I want to thank you so very much for being with us today. It has been an honor. And I also want to say, if you've loved today's episode and have gotten value from today or any other episode and can confidently say, I love Dear Debbie, Dream Dairyly podcast, please consider tapping to rate with five stars and select write a review. Um, And be sure to let me know what you love most about today's episode. This helps me support more people just like you dream ridiculously big and manifest and live a life they desire. So just scroll to the bottom of the page where you listen to your podcast, tap to rate those five stars and select write a review. And until next week, remember, always be dreaming. Thanks again, Nicole. And everyone, we will talk to you very soon. Thank you. Thank you. Since I'm not a medical professional or scientist, I don't offer any professional health or medical advice. So if you're suffering from any medical or psychological conditions, I highly encourage you to seek help from qualified health professionals.